you could put it up, John 16 verse 12. And it just really flows so beautifully out of this time that we've, we've been spending together. And uh, I don't want to break it with anything else just yet. I just want to read this. <laughs> you need to do your hair before you come to church, Ken. John 16 verse 12. I have much more to say to you. Say much more. Imagine Jesus saying that to his disciples after all the years he spent with them and all the time he ministered to them. He says, I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. You know, we can only receive as much as we're ready for. We can only receive as much as we spiritually, mentally, maturity-wise are able to. And then he goes on in verse 13 and says, But, this is one of those holy buts, When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into how much truth? All truth. Remember Jesus says, I can't tell you all now because you're not ready for it. But the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to lead you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears and He'll tell you what is yet to come. So we have from the words of Jesus here that even the words He spoke to, spoke to His disciples weren't complete in themselves. But there was still a whole lot of stuff He wanted to reveal and say and He would send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been bringing revelation to us because that's all that the word revelation means is a, a lifting of a veil. It's when you see something that you've heard for a long time and it feels like it's for the first time. Maybe you've heard for a long time that the Father loves you. But when suddenly you become so secure in your identity, when you hear His voice saying, This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. There, it lifts us from just head knowledge to heart revelation that the Father is so in love with me and so pleased before Jesus did a thing good or bad, before we do a thing good or bad, our identity in Christ means that the Father sees us with the perfection of His Son's life from the beginning to the end. And when that grips our heart and the Holy Spirit makes it real to us, we say, thank you Lord for the grace that you've poured out on me because I could never have matched up to all the do's and don'ts that the legal religious system evoked. But through faith in Jesus, I come into a new identity, a new position in Christ. And the Holy Spirit has to make that real, my friend, because we can know it in our heads and it doesn't change our hearts. The finished work of the cross means nothing until the Holy Spirit lifts the veil. We can have a head full of knowledge about all the doctrines and all the theology of the salvation and, and the finished work of the cross. But until it grips my heart and it becomes a veil lifted, it is just a whole lot of information. Holy Spirit comes to reveal things. And I think for this year, certainly building on our identity, 
knowing the Father's love, knowing the finished work, knowing the better covenant that we stand in, positions us to reign in life, to be more than conquerors, to wake up every day and go out and know that there's an open heaven, that judgment has passed from our life, that condemnation has passed, and now the Father is wanting to open up an inheritance for His children in our purpose. Isn't that beautiful? Dreaming again in 2010. Louise just asked me the question yesterday with a function. She said, what is this bridge between our identity, which we've been preaching and teaching and trying to understand, and this whole subject of purpose? And as we were chatting, it just became clear to me again that, that when the children of God begin to dream again, and begin to get vision, and begin to get passion, then we don't need to create another list of do's and don'ts around how we should fulfill our purpose. Mother Teresa was in Calcutta out of a desire, a burning passion. She didn't do it because it was the right thing to do. You with me? You may have noticed this morning that uh, we had some artists that are still kind of finishing up. I'm going to ask you guys, would you be so brave as to bring your pictures up onto the stage? That includes the hairdressing salon in my far left there, and the others, the folks that were doing the art. Don't you want to, and maybe some of the guys can just ask for some help, just to move. I'd like to put them up on the stage here. We asked some folk to come prepared this morning. Um, to, to during the worship to, to do some art and, and I'd like to invite them up and while they're coming up can we do two things at once we're going to take up the morning offering we're going to take our, our offering in our hands and we're going to pray together as, we, as they're putting up the boards and we're taking up our offering that's great so if you have brought your tithe and offering or if you're just visiting and your tithe is for your local church but your offering can come wherever you want to send it <laughs> but um, if you're doing electronic or anything just uh, by way of uh, paying through the, through the electronic just take your hand and pray off to me Father, thank you for the gospel thank you through the gospel I've been renewed I've been born again Father, thank you this morning. Now, can we pray this aloud so we can, the person next to us can hear? <laughs> oh, sorry, actually, now we're all together. Father God, thank you for the gospel. Through the gospel, I'm born again. And as I bring my tithes and offerings, I come into partnership through this local church with the ministry of the gospel. And I thank you that this seed is going to go into this city, into this nation, and is going to bring harvest for the gospel. In Jesus' wonderful name, Amen. Amen. Can we take up the offering? And by now, I'm sure some of the, ah, all the skillful artists are up here. Right. Now, where, where are these artists? Now, you've all gone and sat down. Sorry, you're supposed to... You, um, yeah, we, we're flowing prophetically this morning. I've got a... I, got a, I think this was Ken's over here. 
Yeah, yeah. Ken, Ken, just, just come here quickly. Where's the hand mic? I want to just, do you think, if, if you're really too nervous to say anything, you don't have to come up. But if you think you could, in a few words, just say something about what you were painting during the worship, just in a few words, um, would you come now? And then, um, Ken, during the worship, you, you, this was your painting, eh? And you'll just, maybe in one or two words, what, this is always a trick. You're probably not going to see them from where you are, and this is not working again. I don't want to. Is that because this one's on? Or Really, just, just like a, a prophetic word. Uh, the Lord has laid on my heart uh, over this period as we've been going through with the teachings on faith, hope, and love. It comes from 1 Corinthians 13 and John chapter 14 with the vine and the branches. So in there, you really need to um, look to see the faith coming through, faith to believe in Christ. Now, hope is really in Him, otherwise our lives are hopeless. And then girded in love, and you can see that the faith and the H starts with the hope and the love. You've got to go backwards to understand love. <laughs> That's so, the prophetic side. That, the fruit uh, of the Spirit in the church. Yes. Beautiful. Love, joy, peace, patience. And we need lots humility, of humility. Yeah. Self control. That's, That's the kingdom breaking into yes. our church. Amen. Is, is, is love and joy and peace. Those yeah. are all the things. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, so Ken. Thank you. Anybody else? Who, who's brave enough to come up quickly and. Doreen, are you. Uh, Richard, uh, Ivan. And Richard. You can? Okay, I actually had this going before um, the worship started uh, praying about uh, the raining down. I had the clouds here opening up and the light and and the the Jesus raining down on the cross. And with some young people over there who were worshipping and that sort of inspired me to put these figures in uh, worshipping the cross. And then we started uh, talking about the fire coming down as well. And th- th- that had really started with me b- before worship had, had, had got that far. Beautiful. See, so it can be something that's already been prompted in you. And all that you through creative expression uh, kind of gave some release to that. This is a very interesting... This could go in... Um, um, I just wanted to do something a little different. I normally do fine art, but uh, I do a bit of cartooning as well. And I thought, well, I think everyone else is going to do fine art, you know, so I'll do some cartooning. But what inspired this um, (coughs) is this year I've had a a vision. I really want to make a difference. And we've been working for quite a long time in the police station, and we've seen wonderful things happening there. And... I've just had this vision to get through to people and just to tell them about the love of Christ and, and to have their lives changed. And what I have noticed, especially belonging to various committees, uh, belong to a couple of car clubs, people out there are so lost. They've got broken lives. And I thought, what better way to depict it? I've actually just finished restoring uh, an old vehicle, a 1930 vehicle, and I started off with nothing, and it was all in pieces, and I thought, gosh, let me, let me just um, use that as an example. So here we see <coughs> a vehicle, 
which is rusting, it's lying in the bush, it's been forgotten. It had certain days of joy and a particular person came along and he saw this and he's made something of it and that's what I think of our Creator. He comes and he sees broken lives, my brother here, I'll have to give a testimony about him one day, but he takes those lives and he renews every single part. But not only that, the reason I've gone from restoration to a hot rod is that he gives us power. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got you restored, renewed, empowered in the hands of the master. It takes a master to do something like that. And it's a dream come true. Beautiful. Lovely. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, you want to hear that testimony sometime. Doreen, just uh, help you up there. Yeah, this is, I haven't even got out the box, I've just lost it. <laughs> it's way out of my box, this. But anyway, this, um, before Shuan found this week, I, there was a song that was going through my head, Who Am I, that you should think of, think of me. And this song was going over in my head. So then I'm thinking, it's supposed to be a rose, the rose of Sharon on the cross with the blood coming down on the person who really kneels down before God saying, Lord, who am I? And then he shows us who we are. We are his ch- mm. the child. We are a new creature in him. Beautiful. Thank you, Doreen. Anybody else? Yeah, let's... Oh, someone wants to know this one. Ruth, where are you? Sorry. I take back that bit I said about if you're too nervous to come up. It says... Have you already gone? Okay. All right. A bit nervous. Okay. I just just sense that there's just the heavens open over this person's life. And the jewels here represent all the resources of God that are going to be made known through this person's life into their situation. Yeah, hallelujah. And and blue is a color of grace, so we know how it comes to us. And um, thank you, Ruth. But you know, the, the truth is that we all have a canvas before us right now. But not all of us are artists. So our creative expression is maybe not confined to paint and canvas. But what we do need to understand is that the opportunities that we have in our hands right now, whether it's a, a mother staying at home with a child, whether it's a mother putting children through school, whether it's a businessman launching out, whether it's someone who's employed in a situation where you have responsibility there. Right now, each one of us have a canvas. That's the starting point. We have a blank canvas. That is an opportunity. And I, I think one of the, the dangers we can make is that we, we think, i first got to go there and do that before I can start creatively expressing on this canvas of, of my opportunity. But like that old fable tells us that the diamonds are in the back garden. And the fable goes that this man traveled the whole world looking for his fortune. And then when he retired and he spent his whole life just chasing a dream and nothing had ever happened and came back home, he was digging in the back garden, making a flower bed, and he, and he found precious stones. 
And sometimes our precious stones are right there in our back garden all the time. They're right there in our current opportunity. Right there before us. But we're so busy thinking it must be out there and it must be over there. And if only one day when I get there and all these kind of things. But right now, if, if we were able to look at our present situation and see it as a blank canvas for this coming year. And then secondly, the brush and paint, for most of us who aren't the artists, are our gifts and abilities that God has given us. We've heard many times before that we were created uniquely. No one else has exact same fingerprints, exact same personality as somebody else. Unique individuals with their own giftings and abilities. That, that is, in this case, the artist within. But in your situation, wherever you are, there are gifts that you already know you have and talents that are obvious. But you know that there's other gifts as well that maybe are lying dormant, that even haven't even had an opportunity to be expressed yet. And let me be quick to say that the gifts of the Spirit add a whole dimension to our natural gifts. And the gifts of the Spirit aren't just reserved for a Sunday morning when we hear the prophecy and the tongue and the interpretation, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Your canvas in your life right now, where you are situated, needs those gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. And then thirdly, we need inspiration. The artist up here, firstly he's got his canvas, secondly he's got his unique gift, but thirdly, there has to be some kind of inspiration. And that's why I asked them to come up and share with you what was happening. Because we can have the gift, we can have the opportunity, but if there's no passion, there's no dream, if there's no vision. And that is very much where our spotlight is focused this year in our lives, individually and and as families, as a church, is to ask again, what, what is that dream? To dream again in 2010. Not to look back at dreams that never happened and become disillusioned and discouraged, but to draw a line on the past and say, I'm dreaming again, Lord. I'm going to trust you for a big dream. I want something of your vision and your purpose to to grip my heart. And as I stand up here with this, I start painting, and it starts to be expressed artistically the same way the relevance to your life opportunity right now is God can I dream again? I think one of the most dangerous places in life is when we've reached our dreams. Like, like a mother, a, a young girl who, whose vision or dream of life is to have a nice home, a family, children and then one day when you're there it's like all dressed up and now what? That's why we need fresh dreams. To be willing to hang up the canvases of last year and 1970s and 80s and, and hang them up in the galleries where they belong. But this year, God, we, we have a brand new canvas. And we're not going to let it be influenced by the past or we're not going to get it discouraged. But we need fresh inspiration from you. You know, God really wants to do that. That's why His Word says that those who delight themselves in the Lord, He will give them the desires of their heart. That's why the Holy Spirit comes, to tell us more. Because no one has your exact canvas in your exact opportunity, in your exact location, in your exact situation. 
And the Holy Spirit longs to come and begin pouring His dream, pouring His vision, pouring His passion. As Bill Johnson says, if people, unbelieving people, unsaved people are making all the inventions and the discoveries while the church is just sitting around singing songs, something's gone wrong. We should be the most creative people on the planet of earth. We have a heavenly wisdom that comes to us. We have the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whether we're an engineer that's facing a unique situation or problem or challenge, we should be forerunners. We should be ahead of the game. Um, I think of someone, he's not here this morning, I don't think, but you won't mind me using him as an example, is Mark Gibbon. You're not here. Okay. But he's in the sugar industry. He's an engineer. And he invented something and painted it and now it's sought after. And he goes around the world with, with this invention. That You see, all inventions were there already in God's mind. But there's no one on earth who filled the gap between the needs that the world has, the challenges, the difficulties, the problems, and the resources that are filled up in heaven. Because heaven has all the resources, all the healing, all the wisdom, all the know-how, and through grace, that wisdom can be deposited into us, and we can have the answers to the situations. So that invention was already in God's mind, but somebody had to avail themselves. Somebody had to bring their gifts, their opportunity, their situation, and some inspiration came into their life. Mark invented, uh, uh, that's for the engineers to explain the technicalities of it, but it's certainly a, a product that is sought after in other countries. But that shouldn't just be one example. I know there's other examples sitting here this morning. But there should be hundreds of examples. The Christians should be on the fore edge of scientific discovery, medicine. You know that God doesn't look at the AIDS pandemic and say, oh, that's one that caught me out. I didn't see that coming. No, God already... Man is just going in the wrong direction. I just need somebody who's got that skill and that opportunity to say, God, download your wisdom to me. And let me tell you, before you think it's only for the Hudson Taylors going off and pioneering China inland missions, it's for you as a mother as you look at that young child as a blank canvas and you begin dreaming dreams in God as you in a small business and maybe right now it's going nowhere and the doors are closing maybe God wants you to color outside the canvas of that industry maybe there's a whole new invention a whole new discovery a whole new way of doing that particular business or that particular uh, service that is going to revolutionize the industry and I mean we know of examples I could sit here and just cite for you. One I saw on Discovery recently, that woman with the rooibos. It was just to pacify her child's colic. And the rest is history. Just one mother doing the best she could at home and then packaged something and marketed it and rooibos has gone around the world. But we mustn't be discouraged just because maybe I've got a small opportunity, a small canvas, just a child with, with colic in this situation. So then the fourth thing, as I thought of this illustration and trying to make it relevant to our lives, is the first stroke of the brush. 
You got the opportunity, you got the gift, the inspiration comes, but you know you still have to step out. And that takes a risk. Because what would be tragic is a blank canvas to look back on in the eons of time where you had an opportunity and all that remains is a blank canvas because we were too fearful of what people might think. What if I do it wrong? Or we make all kinds of creative avoidance excuses like, well, I'm not young enough and I'm not the right color and I'm not in the right place and I'm not this. We can find a million ways to be to creatively avoid what we have in front of us. But that would be a tragedy if this generation were deprived of, of that invention or that situation or that opportunity. Can you see why we need to dream? Can you see why we need to be coming to God and saying, in that place of, God, I'm coming to, to hear again from you. I bring this opportunity. What do you want me to do here? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Take that brush and take that first stroke. Because the rest, every one of these pictures started off with a first brush stroke. They didn't just appear. Ah, now I understand. We don't get the full picture always. In fact, even, sometimes there's even a bit of rubbing out. But we step out. That first brush stroke. And then the next thing I thought of in terms of this illustration is, is that it's always a work in progress. You know what I mean by that? We never get to a stage where we say, that's it, perfect. Everyone sitting there maybe who had something to do with a picture here is thinking, oh, I could have just finished that. Or I could have just... Of course. Because it's always a work in progress. But we want to encourage these people in what they did this morning. In the work of progress... We want to encourage them. You know, encouragement goes a long way. Rather than saying, well, uh, Arvin, uh, don't quit your day job just yet, okay? You know, um, that's not helpful. But when we come and bring encouragement to a person's dreams, that work in progress, what they're already trying to do. You know, you can always find the things that are wrong, you know? Come up here with me, and if we analyze this long enough, we'll f- see things that aren't good enough and aren't, haven't, aren't exactly like we would do. You can always find out what, what about and what if and da 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 da. And while we should be open to constructive criticism, I think for every one ounce of constructive criticism, we need a ton of encouragement. Every one of us needs encouragement all the time in every area of our lives. And then I want to draw, say, in the same way it would have been a tragedy for the picture of your life, the canvas of your life, just to stay blank because of whatever fear we have or buried talent or excuse making. This generation will be deprived of something. Imagine if the Hudson Taylor never left the shores of England. Imagine if the Mrs. Rebus never told her neighbour about her discovery. Some of you are saying, oh, that would have been great. But for us Rebus drinkers, I just want to correct you. What if the guy who d- discovered penicillin didn't take that risk, leaving the bread out overnight to get all mouldy? However he did it. 
what if, what if, what if, what if the girl from Hillsong hadn't stepped out of her comfort zone and started writing songs? But we could say maybe someone else would, maybe someone else wouldn't have. But the truth of the matter is, there is a car in pieces. And if our hands are tied behind our backs, we, all we get to do is stare at that blank canvas. And what I mean by that is, we can't consistently be creating, artistically creating something when our hearts are full of resentment, full of anger, full of unforgiveness, full of pride, full of... You know why? Because the dreams of God come in an environment of peace. The dreams that God wants to bring for you in your situation come in an environment of being at peace with Him. And we know that peace came because we are justified through Jesus Christ. That peace came because we have an understanding of, of what Jesus Christ is. People without that peace, yes, they can be creative, but they're never satisfied. There's a satisfaction that can come to us when we rid our hearts, when we say, God, this year, in order to dream, I want to make sure it's not just the result of having too much pizza last night. And I've got visions of grandeur. I'm going to build me a big house with a big this and a big aeroplane and a big, because I want to feel important. And now that might just be because you had too much pizza last night. The dreams that come out of God that bring that glorify Him. Let me tell you, in all these pictures, I want to. This is probably the most important relevance I want to make to this illustration this morning. In all these pictures, for me, the key thing is, is that they brought focus to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each one of these brought. Relevance to, to the gospel working in us by the Spirit, by creation, by healing. by And what I'm talking about this morning isn't just some fantasy of self-aggrandment, some fantasy of, of my own need for significance. What I'm talking about this morning is when people who have come to know Jesus Christ as their King have come through a narrow little door. That's why it says that it's difficult for the rich to come through that narrow door. Because to come through that narrow door, it says Jesus only. You die, and His life begins. There's no other religion, there's no other philosophy, there's nothing. You come and you die. And you step through a narrow little gate called salvation into a beautiful wide space called the kingdom of God. And in that kingdom... We live and move and have our being. We, we, we become the most creative people on the earth, bringing heaven's resources into the earth's needs, bringing heavenly wisdom through invention and discovery into the world situation. Imagine if every Christian business began to prosper like that as they began to tap into God's mind and God's heart, God's kingdom. But it's reserved for those who've said yes to Jesus. Who've said He's the priority of my life. I'm stepping through this narrow gate where He is Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. It's Jesus only and Jesus plus nothing, minus nothing or else nothing. It's a narrow little door. But when we step through that door, it's not narrow anymore. Some Christians live like now they've got to live in this narrow little cage for the rest of their lives until Jesus comes and delivers me. Oh, come and, oh, I hold the fort for He is coming. 
Now he wants you to blow out of the fort. It's the gates of hell that can't prevail. We're not holding the door shut against the devil. We're going in and we're occupying. We're taking ground. We're bringing God's kingdom to earth as his will is down in earth on heaven. In heaven on earth. That is our strategy. That is, that is our commission from Him. And it's going to happen as we look at our situation, our opportunities, and say, God, let your kingdom come on earth. Let your will be done in this situation I'm facing right now as it is in heaven. Because I'm a kingdom man. We are kingdom people. We serve a glorious king. This is not about ourselves. That's why I come back to the most important point I'm making here this morning is that each one of these focus back to the gospel. And whatever opportunity God has given you is to focus back to the gospel. Whatever talent God has given you in the executing of that dream is to point back to the gospel. Whatever, however that inspiration came, Whatever that first brush stroke is, it's to point back to the gospel. Because when we take that for ourselves, then it loses its, its, its purpose. When the, the Mark Gibbon of the world can say, can have a, a hearing or an audience because of his gifting, and I, I know for a fact he's a kingdom living person, kingdom thinking person. He's got opportunities that pastors might never have. You, you, you with me? He's going to be in boardrooms speaking to people of different religions and people who consider themselves atheists. And he's going to have opportunities in places because of something of God's wisdom that broke into the physical world he lives in. In the same way, you and I can use the, the, the gift and this beautiful, creative expression that God gives us as an opportunity for the gospel. And that's going to be my prayer. That's, you want to know what my dream is for this year? I want to see people dreaming. I really do. I, I, think, I think it's a tragedy when, when Christians lose their joy. And I think we lose our joy when we lose our vision. Interesting, in that same scripture where Jesus said, I have more to tell you, but I'll send the Holy Spirit. He'll take of mine and make it known to you. He goes on a few verses later and says, Ask that you may receive, that your joy may be full. Wow. Give you that, that verse reference. It's verse 24. Ask that you may receive. In other words, while, while you're bringing your gift before God, saying, Lord, give me vision, desire, passion, longing for what, for, for what you want in this opportunity I have. When you step out, it's by faith and you're going to be asking God for stuff. And He wants us to ask Him because that's how our joy is going to be for. The church needs joy to come back into their lives. We need the joy of God to come back. As Christians, we can have a head knowledge about everything Jesus did for us and everything we are because of Him. And if it's just in our heads, it doesn't bring joy. It's only when the revelation of it comes that it brings joy. And the same way, every one of us, 
I watched uh, in the holidays, I watched a movie I recommend to all of you. Every now and then I'm allowed to recommend a movie for everybody. Uh, it's called Surf's Up. Any of you see it? Oh, come on, I'm, I'm in the wrong audience. I should be next door. It's one of those animated movies. It's, you've got to see it. I mean, it's just fabulous. It's called Surf's Up. It's one of these animated like, cartoon things. Uh, Richard, you really love it. And, and there's this character called Cody. His whole life, his dream is to surf. He's intense. He's passionate about surfing. And uh, he's got a hero called Big Z. But Big Z has gone into retirement. I thought he was dead, but he was in hidden retirement. Disillusioned, discouraged, hiding away. And Cody finds him through a whole long story made short. He finds him and he says, you've got to teach me to surf. You are the best man. You are the king. You, you're like my hero. You've got to teach me to surf. So eventually Big Z gives in and he says, okay, you want to learn to surf. And then he takes him through this rigorous routine of arbitrary, ridiculous exercises. Like blindfolding him and having bouncing on a diving board, then pulling it out so he falls in his face in the sand and laughs his head off. And, and Cody's not impressed with this. He's running around saying, no, 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 listen, you, you've got to be serious now. I'm serious. No, you, you've got to be serious. I want to learn how to surf. You're the best, man. And, and he was so intense and so focused and so goal-orientated. And this goes on and on until they end up rolling in the surf, laughing and giggling and having just fun. And then Big Z stands up and he says to Cody, now you're ready. Man, when I saw that, when I saw that, I went, aha. I'm ready to go back to church. (laughs) Because you know, we can get so intense we can get so A-type personality. We can get so goal-orientated and fixated. But if we stop having fun, we're not ready. And I think in this whole process of saying, 2010, a year to dream again. A year of bringing our most humble opportunities as canvases before God and saying, Lord, whatever gift I have or I've got, I don't even know I've got, I I don't want to lose my joy. I want to be asking of you and my joy being fulfilled. My friend, you need to be seriously saying in your heart, God, what is your dream for my life? What is your dream? And bring life, because life is a big thing. You know, how to, what is your dream for my life? Let's bring it down to what is your dream in my work situation, in my marriage, in my church, in the church. Because in, in each one of those areas, there's a canvas waiting for you. Don't let it stay blank. Let's stand up together. We're going to pray this morning. And this is my heart's desire for you and for myself, and for us as a church, that the kingdom of God will invade as we learn to dream together. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be in worship time, allowing this to continue. A sense of God impregnating us as we come into the, the intimacy of, of his, that relationship with His longing, His desire, His passion. 
We're meeting with the home cell leaders this Tuesday night and with anyone else who, who'd be interested to find out uh, the, the whole, the way we do cells is, 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 is going to, got to change. How do we f- coach and facilitate dreaming? Not just routine. We don't want to keep nurturing faithfulness to routine. But we want to become coaches of passion. Coaches of desire and longing. And it's risky business, but you've got permission. Because Jesus gives you permission. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, ask, believe, and you will receive. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray. He's taking it for granted when you pray. It's your life. It's your oxygen. It's what you do all the time. It's communion. It's abiding. When you pray. When you pray. Not if you pray. When you pray. Whatever you desire. Whatever desires come. Whatever desires come. While you pray. While you're communing. While you're abiding. Whatever desires come. Believe. 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 Lord, this morning we come as a people not wanting to play games. But a people secure in our identity, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, in the new covenant, in the Father's life. But we come as those, Lord, and we bring the various avenues of our life before you this morning, be it our work situation, our home situation, our family. We serve notice on the paintings of last year. We relegate them to the, the galleries of past experience and we stand before you this morning as those desperately in need of vision and longing and dream. So would you begin to, Lord, just break up the fallow ground? Would you begin to just plant the seeds and stir up our hearts? Would you begin to see that little becomes much when it's put in your hands? Would you give us faith to believe the desires as they come from you? And over the next few weeks and months as we unpack this and come to understand it uh, in a balanced uh, why, in the wisdom of that, that Lord, we, we would be adding the water to the seeds. Lord, we, we do. We, we pray as a community, as families, as individuals, as a church. You be glorified. You be glorified, Lord. You be glorified. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Keep